roars, rumbles, and rides into Reading October 11th, 12th, and 13th. Experience the Remembrance Joyride and the Think Pink Poker Run. Friday starts with a special concert at the Cascade Theater with ZZ Tush. Vendor booths at Big League Dreams Saturday and Sunday, plus great food and drinks and live music from the Fry Brothers. Brought to you in part by Russ Brown Motorcycle Attorneys, Sierra Steel Harley-Davidson, Camping World, KHSL TV 12, and KNVN TV 24. For event details and to register, go to BigBikeWeekend.com or register at Sierra Steel Harley-Davidson in Chico. Big Bike Weekend, October 11th, 12th, and 13th. The news from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta Regional Medical Center. Good morning, everyone. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and you are tuning in to Therapy in a Nutshell here on KCNR. 96.5 FM, 1460 AM, Your Talk Radio. We are live this morning in the studio, so if you're listening to this show and you've got some questions or some comments, feel free to call in, area code 530-605-4567. Real easy to remember, 4567 at the end. Okay, uh, you, and if you don't want to be on the air, you don't have to be. You can also not say a name at all. Or use a fake name. We don't care. If I recognize your voice, I will not say that I do, I promise. Or you can just tell my producer, Jared, your question, and he will let me know, and I'll try to answer it. Okay, uh, today we are going to be talking about healthy dating. And the reason I'm choosing this subject is because in my 34-plus years of private practice as a marriage family therapist in Northern California, I often hear people say, I don't know how to pick a good relationship. My picker is broken. I hear that phrase all the time. And what I like to tell people is it isn't that your picker is broken. It's that you don't have the skills that you need to go through the steps to create a healthy relationship. And you don't have the skills that you need to evaluate whether the relationship you are in is healthy or not. And then, even if you do have those things, you may not have the skills that it takes to effectively and amicably leave a relationship that you determine is not healthy for you, or that you determine that you are settling for something less than what you want. So... Um, in this episode today, we're going to talk about what type of person you're drawn to and getting more aware of yourself so that you know why you tend to be drawn to certain people. And then we're going to talk about what are the things that are in your way and what do you need to be aware of that a lot of people do when trying to fix their broken picker. So they feel like if they pick rotten people or not healthy people or whatever, um, there's things that get in the way of when you try to just do the opposite or do something. We're going to go over those. Then I'm going to give you some very specific skills on how to pick a healthy relationship. And then we're going to end the show with some really good principles of healthy dating. So get your pen and paper. Take some notes, listen to this over and over again. It will be up on my podcast on the Anchor app and also iTunes, Spotify, and many other podcast apps. And you just type in Dr. Patricia Bay, Therapy in a Nutshell, and you can re-listen to the show for free and 
pass it on to anybody that you think it might help. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about this whole healthy dating thing. And is your picker broken? So I want you to stop and think for a minute. What type of person are you drawn to? And we hear people say all the time, oh, he's not my type or she's not my type. So there's some awareness that people have of what their type is. And what's interesting is even if you don't know what your type is, your friends and family probably do because they'll see you with a similar type person over and over again when you're trying to find a lifelong mate. So what are the things that you are drawn to? Does it have to be somebody tall or shorter than you or somebody who would decorate your arm? Do they have to have an athletic build? Do they have to have a sense of humor? Um, What are the things that you go, oh, I love people like that? Uh, I've had clients that say the person has to be really quick-witted and intelligent and have a sense of humor. They're not particularly looking for a certain physical characteristic or certain looks. Then I have people that it doesn't matter what the personality is. They're just looking for someone to decorate their arm. Uh, I'll tell you a story about a client that I had. Um, she was, this was a number of years ago, and she was very much, um, very vain and very into her appearances and how she appeared to the public and all of that. She always wanted to make sure that she drove the right car, wore the right clothes, and that people viewed her as successful. And she was dating probably the first healthy guy she had ever dated. And she was talking to me about it. And I had met him because she had brought him into a session. And I was very impressed. He was a very good guy. Um, I thought, wow, she's really doing a good job picking a healthy man. And in the next session after she had brought him in, she said to me, do you think he's good enough for me? And I remember being taken back. I, I didn't I have a really good poker face, so I didn't say anything. But I, I said, wow, you think he's not good enough for you? What's, what makes you say that? And she goes, well, I know he's nice, and I know he's kind, and he's successful and all that, but do you think he's handsome enough for me? Do you think it makes me look bad that I'm with a guy who's not drop-dead gorgeous? And I, I just, I had to really work on my poker face at that point because she was missing the whole point of how do you capture a healthy relationship. All she wanted was someone to decorate her arm. So often in society, we think that men only want to pick women that decorate their arm, but that's not true. Women also sometimes feel that they are elevated or diminished by the person that they are with. So if that's part of your picking a person, you need to know that and you need to really do some self-evaluation. Is that good for you? Is it healthy for you? Are you missing out on what could be some really great people out there because they're not as tall as you want or they're not as skinny as you want? Or um, your friends aren't going to say, oh, my heavens, he or she is drop-dead gorgeous. Just know if that's part of what you've been looking for. So what I'm really asking you is what do you know about yourself? When you look at the people that you are drawn to that you tend to pick, it is a window into your own soul. If you have to have somebody that has certain characteristics that elevate you, that's a window into your own soul about some low self-esteem. If you only have to have somebody who can take care of you, who you can be dependent on, that's a window into your soul. Why do you feel dependent? Why do you feel vulnerable? 
Why do you need somebody who's going to take care of you? And I'm not saying you shouldn't feel that way. I'm not giving you absolutes here. I'm saying take advantage of this call to consciousness of what is it you're looking for and what do you need so that you can take a good, hard look at yourself. So when you're drawn to somebody, what do they do for you? The other thing is, do you look for somebody who just pays attention to you? And that's something I see in people who tend to tell me that their picker is broken. If somebody pays attention to them, acts like they are sexy or cute or the person is attracted to them, somebody who doubts themselves might automatically be attracted to that person because he or she wants you. And so that's another window into your soul. Just because somebody is picking you doesn't mean that you want to pick them back. So that's one of the things we're going to do as we talk about some of the skills. If somebody comes on to you or says you're cute or um, is acting all flirty and attractive to you and you find yourself going, oh, that person wants me and you're drawn to them like a magnet, you might not be going through the steps to evaluate whether you're picking a healthy relationship or not. So looking at what type of person you're drawn to, using that as a window into yourself is really cool and really helps raise your consciousness. And then asking if you only get attracted to people who act like they want you. That's one of the first steps for us to look at. Okay, we're going to go to break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some of the fears that drive us to choose certain people. We'll be back in a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and you're listening to the incredibly beautiful Native American flute music of Randy McGinnis. You want to hear more of Randy's Native American flute music? Go to Spotify, iTunes, CD Baby, Amazon. You can buy any of his music there. You can go to his website, randymcginnis.com. Today, we are talking about healthy dating. How do you recognize it? How do you do it? What are the skills involved? And how do you take a good hard look at yourself? Because that's part of coming to terms with, I want to do some healthy dating. So let's talk about some of the things that rises up in anyone when they are trying to choose a partner, choose a mate, choose someone to date and enjoy some life with. Those things, let's look at the fears that come up because the good parts, the calm and confident parts aren't the things that are a problem in choosing a healthy mate. It's the fears that drive us, that lead us to do things that are not healthy. So one of the things that people fear, there there are two core issues for fear that I, I see all the time. One is a fear of not being good enough. This often comes from childhood issues. Uh, you were often told that you needed to improve, you weren't good enough, you felt less than, you were either bullied or teased, Um, you maybe were raised by parents with extremely high expectations that would always want you to do more, do better. Okay, so those can leave you with a core issue of I'm not good enough. When you feel not good enough, it touches on another core issue, which is fear of abandonment. So let's back up fear of abandonment a little bit. Everybody not everybody doesn't fear it, but often people really dislike feeling rejected. In fact, I don't know anybody that says, oh yeah, reject me, that feels good. 
So when you feel rejected, that is actually a fear of abandonment. If you don't like me and you reject me, I'm afraid you're going to leave me. So people often lead with their core issues. They lead in their life. They lead in their jobs. They lead in their relationships. They lead in their parenting with their core issues. And they lead with how they date and how they choose people. So if your fear coming out of the gate, choosing somebody to date, is that you're trying to position yourself so that you won't be left, you won't be abandoned, you're already starting out in an unhealthy manner in your dating. So if we go back to the first section of the show, are you looking for somebody who's trying to show you that they're attracted to you and they like you? And then part of that speaks to your fear that you're going to be left. So if somebody already likes you, already says they're attracted to you, you might feel a little less fearful that they're going to be someone that's going to leave you. The other thing that happens when you're afraid that you're not good enough is you will often pick somebody that you view as weaker than you or less than you, somebody that you can fix. You can rise them up. You can uh, help them be better. You can fix their problems. You can be the only one who truly understands them. You can make them feel wanted and needed, and you can raise them into being more mature and something more. Let me give you an example. Um, I know a person who uh, was attracted to a guy who was really attracted to her, and she she recognized in therapy that she was really run by that. Um, if he's attracted to me, he must want me, and this is good, this is good, this is good, I like this, I like this. And she would kind of gravitate towards that because that was... Um, almost like an adrenaline rush for her, almost like a, a high in a way. And so she would like the person, and especially if it was a person that she felt that she could help and she could fix and that could bring out that nurturing, generous, kind, understanding part of her. So she got with a guy that was a nice nice man and okay, and she he was attracted to her and she really loved that, and she was helping raise him up. Well, when we talked about it in therapy, and I said, how old do you think he felt when you first started dating? And she said, oh, like 17. I said, okay, and how old does he kind of feel now that the relationship is breaking up? She said, it's like he's grown up some, like he's 25. And I said, kind of like he's launching out of the nest, like you raised him up out of a boy and he's turned into a man and now he's got to go out and find his life and, and, and move on. And she said, yeah. And she felt really bad, really rejected by that. But she also felt she'd done her job and she really wasn't attracted to him anymore because she wanted somebody more her own age, which was, you know, in the early 40s. And she wanted, she wanted somebody that felt more mature. So it wasn't working for her, but it also wasn't working for him anymore because he'd kind, they've outgrown each other. And she had to really come to terms with how she picked and why she picked and that fixing somebody really made her feel good about herself. So that brings up the other part of picking someone to date. When you become more aware of why you pick somebody and the things that have drawn you in the past, sometimes I see people do this thing I call a 180. They do an exact opposite turn. For example, if they have always picked good-looking men, they're going to pick somebody who's not good-looking at all. If they pick somebody who's too big of a drinker and gets drunk, they want a teetotaler. They want someone who never touches alcohol. Um, and they'll try to do a 180. 
they'll they'll say, you know, I've always I've always picked men that are broke that never have any financial stability. So they will only look for somebody that has a good job. That kind of tunnel vision will get you in trouble also, because in some ways you might fix one aspect of your unhealthy choosing of a dating partner or mate, but you might still be repeating a whole lot of the other parts of the pattern. So stopping dating right now, if you're not dating anybody at the moment, stop, wait. Let's do some of these things that I'm talking about here. Really explore your underlying self-esteem and really look at your fears about the dating world. And look at the patterns that you have had in the past of the type of people you have been picking. So really stop and do that because that's going to be a good start. This plays into an issue that's very prevalent in how healthy you are when you date. If you feel that you are worth loving, you will pick a different kind of partner. If you feel that you are not worthy of love, you will pick a partner who makes that statement true. They will treat you as you are not worth loving. You can go back to one of my podcasts before, um, back on the podcast list on Anchor app, and there's a podcast called Loving Yourself. That's a really good one for you to listen to to do some um, basic foundation work for this. So in the fears that we're talking about, one of the other fears I see is that people feel kind of desperate. And when I voice this out loud in therapy sessions, I often get tears or head nodding or, oh my gosh, yes, that's how I feel. And that is the fear that this is the best I can do. So you're in a relationship. You're not particularly happy. You're settling. There's a lot of dysfunction in it. And there's a part of you that says, no one else is going to want me. Is this the best I can do? I better stay with this person because I could get something worse. And then I usually hear the next part of that is who is going to want a person who is, now fill in the blank, who is this old, this fat, this ugly, this broke, this uneducated, this uh, person who has 2.3 children, um, who's been through two divorces, who's going to want me when I'm fill in the blank. So take a minute, fill in your blank. If you've said this is the best I can do because who's going to want a person like me who is is what? Fill in the blank. Because that is another window into your self-esteem, a window into your soul. Okay, so we're talking about the fears that make you choose, make you settle, make you worry, and try to make you feel better as to who you are as a person. Um, In this last couple minutes that we have in this segment, I want to address another issue that is part of dating. You need to understand that from a brain aspect, from the neuron, neurotransmitters in your brain, how attraction affects you is really important. Have you ever fallen in love and it really feels like it's out of your control? Like somebody gave you two glasses of wine, like somebody uh, slipped you something that made you go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. You're heightened in your attraction. You're heightened in your experience. That is actually something that is happening in your brain. There is a euphoric high feeling 
that's part of the brain chemistry of attraction. It's part of the brain chemistry of falling in love. I always tell my clients falling in love is the best aphrodisiac, appetite suppressant, motivator, um, joy pill that you'll ever get because it works on your brain like serotonin or dopamine. It works on your brain like an opioid. It's, it makes you feel just like, ha, ah, this is wonderful. We often categorize that as this must be love. I am madly in love with this person. And what you are kind of really is madly in lust, okay? Some people even can say that. But I'm not saying don't enjoy this feeling because it's absolutely amazing. And I think physiologically we were wired to do this so that we would continue the species because it actually makes people fall into bed and procreate. (laughs) And so I think that's part of what it's about. Um, It's a natural thing that makes you want to go have babies. So when you fall in love with somebody, it's okay to know that. Know that your brain is hijacked into falling in love. Enjoy the feeling, but don't make major life decisions. Just like you shouldn't make major life decisions when you're grieving or major life decisions when something, a crisis has happened, you shouldn't be making major life decisions when you're in love. Now, all of us can talk to that person who they fell in love, they got married after two weeks, or in case of some real close friends of mine, they got married after three weeks, and together for 25 years. You know, there are those people that chose correctly, fell in love, committed a, a, a commitment into a committed relationship almost immediately, and it's lasted forever. And I love it when I hear those stories, because that's the kismet of everything working right and falling into place. But you have to know something. That is also the exception, not the rule. In my practice of many, many years with many, many, many couples, I've heard that story a lot, and they're in my office falling apart. So it isn't a given that just because you are madly in love in the beginning that it will last forever. So when we come back, we're going to go to break. I want to tell you how to ride that euphoria, how to really enjoy it, but how to check it out and how to go further in a healthy manner. Okay, we'll be back in just a minute. Welcome back to Therapy in a Nutshell. This is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and you are listening to Randy McGinnis' CD, The Journey, and this is the track called Alone. And I have to, I have to give a shout out to my producer, Jared, because he chose that song because he really likes it, but he thought it was also appropriate for this show. He's just in there smiling. <laughs> He's a good guy. So today we're talking about healthy dating, and we've been talking about some of the things that you're afraid of that make you pick in a certain way, make you choose somebody to date. And before we go on to some of the skills, um, I want to speak to a moment of that feeling of desperation that people have when they want to date or they want to find somebody. And I often hear it almost like a yo-yo. They'll be angry. There's nobody good out there. All the good men are taken or all the nice women won't want me or they have some kind of rule in their head that they're afraid of and it makes them feel desperate 
And um, I've got to credit my producer with this. He and I were talking at the break. And he said, the desperation of dating is like going to the grocery store hungry. And I just thought that was great. It's such a good visual. So we, we credit Jared with that. But that desperation can lead you to take the first person that pays attention to you and let you really latch on in your desperation for somebody to love you. And the core underlying belief that you're not good enough and someone, isn't, someone else isn't going to want you and someone better isn't going to come along and you need to settle because this might be the best you'll ever do. So remember that that is not a formula for picking a healthy person to date. But I am going to give you some skills on how to pick a healthy person to date. All right, this is a technique that I've used in my practice for probably 25 years, and it has helped so many people, and it's very simple. You pull out a pad of paper, like a yellow legal pad or something, and at the top, you write Mr. Wright or Ms. Wright, whether you're attracted to men or women. I'm, I'm not talking about sexuality here. I'm talking about your preference. So if you're looking for a good man or you're looking for a good woman, write that at the top of your page, Mr. Wright or Ms. Wright. And then what you're going to do is you're going to list your deal breakers. Now, you might, you might figure out a deal breaker later down in your list, but stop and say, what is one of the first things I have to have? If they don't have this, then I don't want to date them. And some of the things I hear for deal breakers are they have to be clean and sober. When I see somebody that is, you know, 10 years into their sobriety or a month into their sobriety, they're saying, I can't be with somebody who is a substance abuser. They have to be clean and sober. So if that's a deal breaker, write it down. On your list, you only write things in the positive. So you don't say not a drunk. You say clean and sober or alcohol free or substance abuse free. You ask for what you're looking for. And if it's a deal breaker, you put a star next to it. The other thing I hear is sometimes people say they have to be of the same religious or spiritual beliefs that I have. I don't want to go outside my faith. If that's in your deal breaker thing, write it down. Okay. Now that also speaks to the thing of there are people that say, oh, I can fix that. I can make you into my religion. I can convert you. I can whatever. One of the healthiest things you can do in healthy dating is to choose somebody is who you as who they are right now and not try to change them. This idea that we can fix people or change them or alter them into who we want them to be doesn't work. It just doesn't work. It's that simple. So you know, the deal breakers you're putting down are who they are right now. You might say that they have to be financially stable. That could be a deal breaker. Um, you might say, I want somebody that hasn't had children or that accepts my children or that has children of their own and we can blend a family. Stop and think, what are the things that you truly look for? Now, let's be really honest here. If you, if you know it's a deal breaker for you that somebody has to be, like for a guy, shorter than you or for a woman, taller than you, I think you're missing out on a lot of good people by having that kind of limitation. But if you know it's a deal breaker for you, put it down there. Now, if it's kind of one of those deal breakers that you're kind of ashamed of and I'm Dr. Patty's saying, hmm, we need to rethink that one, circle it because you might go back to that later. So you're aware of what are the things you have to have or you will not tolerate. 
Now, you might also say social drinker only, no drugs, all right? So that would be a deal breaker for some people that they say, I don't mind somebody who socially drinks. I love to have a nice glass of wine with somebody or go out for a drink, but I don't want an alcoholic. I don't want a drunk. Also, that's where I see people do that 180. They've been with somebody who abuses substances and they say never again and they they go the complete 180. You might want to do that, but you need to really evaluate it. Okay, so the first thing you're doing is looking at your deal breakers. Then what you're going to do is put all the things that are important to you. And one way to do this is to look at the people in your life that you truly admire. If you had a dad or a mom that you just said, I I love their personality, I love how they were with people, I love I want somebody like my dad. I want someone like my aunt, whatever. I or my best friend's wife or whatever. You you've got somebody that you really love their personality and things that they do or don't do. Think of some of those characteristics and write them down on your Mr. or Ms. right list. It might be that they have a sense of humor or that they're kind or that they can be quiet. Um, like you might say, I don't want somebody who can't shut up. I don't want someone who talks and talks and talks and talks and dr- wears me out. So what you would put on your list is someone who can practice silence, someone who listens intently. Those are the positive attributes of somebody who doesn't monopolize every conversation and talk all the time. So how long should this Mr. or Ms. Wright list be? Well, I can tell you this, it's not just 10 things. When somebody comes back into my office with 10 things, I go, hmm, good start. It's, it's usually a page or two on a legal-sized pad. It's 20, 30, 40 things because we're looking at honesty, integrity, uh, sense of humor, um, fits in with my family. Uh, if they have a prior relationship, it might not be excess baggage, or if it is really volatile and difficult, they manage it well. Um, you might say good parent. Um, things that you're looking for that make you admire somebody. Now think about the people in your life that you go, oh, I would never want somebody like fill in the blank. What are the characteristics that that person has that really turns you off? Like they might be critical and demeaning or sarcastic all the time. Um, They might be a practical joker that doesn't know how to quit. Um, These are the things I hear in my office that really annoy people. So look around you and say, what are the things that are super turnoff to me? Now put them in the positive on your list. If you see someone who's a practical joker who never knows when to stop and is constantly teasing everybody and it's really annoying, and you say, I don't want someone like that. You want them to do what? You want them to be considerate of others' feelings. You want them to have an off switch when they're teasing someone. You want them to know when to stop, uh, when to be kind and compassionate instead of sarcastic and teasing. So put some of those things in the positive on your list. Okay, so when you're looking at this list and you're going over it and you're flagging, you're starring your deal breakers, you also want to know what are these things on your list that you really, really need and what are the things that you just want? Like you might need somebody to decorate your arm, but is that what you really want to do? You might want someone to decorate your arm because they're beautiful, but is that what you really need? 
Do you really need the other things that are on your list? So I want you to know the difference between what you want and what you need, and it can go either way. So you're really stopping to take a good, hard look at yourself, not just a good, hard look at the person that you might be bringing into your inner circle. So you make your Mr. and Ms. Right list, and here's one of the secrets. You're going to date it. And then you're going to take that list and you're going to put it in a safe place, like the bottom of your jewelry box or your underwear drawer or something. And when you start dating somebody, when you find someone, when someone wants to introduce you to somebody, you take out your list and you look it over. And the first thing you're going to do when, you're, when you date is do the kind of dates that let you evaluate your Mr. or Ms. Right list. And it isn't like you're going to have, have a list with you and you're going to be obnoxious and start checking it off. You are going to go on a kind of a date that is time-limited, during the day, does not involve alcohol, and where you can get to know the person. And because you know the things on your Mr. or Ms. Right list, those are some of the things you're checking for. So let's say that you want a relationship with a person doesn't have kids and you want you know you're young and you don't want to deal with that so in your first meeting where you've met for coffee and you've said I I have an hour I have two hours I have I have a little bit of time then I have to be back at work or I have an appointment or whatever it's time limited one of the things you say so is tell me about you do you have any kids were you married before tell me about you and you're listening and you're listening for some of the things on your Mr. or Ms. Right list So let's say you're in a first date, you met for coffee, you're getting to know the person, and and they have some real deal breakers. This is where you have not committed to anything yet. You are just getting to know the person. So you don't have to break up with them. Because picture this, you meet somebody in a bar, and you're kind of drunk, and you go home and you fall into bed with them, and then the next morning you get up and you're kind of starting to figure out who they are, and you go, oh, no. I cannot be with this person. Uh Like you went to bed with them and they were a 10 and you wake up in the morning and they're a 2. And I don't mean by how they look. I mean by the things on your Mr. Ms. Right list. Now you have to break up because you slept with them. Okay? That is not healthy dating. So that's one night stand. It's not the same thing. So when you're healthy dating and they're not quite what you want, you just don't meet them for coffee again. I also like people to have a really healthy exit line. Like if the person says to you, oh, wow, I'd love to get to know you better. I, can I take you out tonight? Can I, whatever. And you can, you can have an honest line that says, look, it's really been a pleasure meeting you, but I don't think we're quite right together. We've got some fundamental differences that I think wouldn't serve either one of us. And I'm going to gracefully bow out now rather than waste either of our time. You have an exit line that this isn't going to work. And you practice it in the mirror and you say it kindly. It is not easy but why waste your time why waste his or her time okay you got that picture all right so in your first dating you're doing time-limited things in the day in public getting to know the person you might meet for coffee the first time you might go walk or walk the trails and the river trail where there's lots of people and you're getting to know the person and checking out your mr ms right list okay we're going to take a break and when we come back we're going to talk about Do you settle or do you not settle? And then what are the principles of healthy dating? We'll be back in a minute. 
right. Hey, this is Dr. Patricia Bay, Dr. Patty, and you are just listening to me play Didgeridoo. <laughs> That's the beginning of the song from uh, The Journey by Randy McGinnis' CD. So tune in to track eight, and you can listen to Dr. Patty play Didgeridoo. If you tune in to track nine, you can hear me playing my big D, which is my big bass flute. I love that flute, made by Pat Heron. Wonderful flute. Okay, we are talking about the principles of healthy dating. Uh, if you want to call in, you're welcome to. It's area code 530-605-4567 because this show is live right now on KCNR. All right, we're talking about the principles of healthy dating. And that idea of should I settle for this relationship or should I not settle for it goes back to a couple of concepts. Am I worth loving and am I desperate? So many people do not feel lovable that they feel that they must must settle because they are desperate to be connected with somebody and not be alone. And they feel that there is no one else that's going to want them, that they better take this one or it's, you know, they're going to be alone for the rest of their life. And let me tell you this. If, if you were filling in the blank earlier with nobody's going to want me because I'm X, fill in the blank. I'm too fat. I'm too thin. I'm not smart enough. I'm um, it's lesbian or gay. I'm transgender. I'm something and no one's going to want me. That isn't true. I truly believe there's somebody out there for everybody. You just have to be ready for it. You need to open yourself up to it spiritually. Either you basically are saying to the universe, I'm ready to meet somebody. You're praying. You're saying to God. You utilize your religious or spiritual beliefs to say, I'm ready, and I'm going to do this in a healthy manner, and I'm not going to be desperate, and I'm not going to be swept off my feet when my neurotransmitters fall in love. I'm going to give it time. So when you get, when you meet somebody, and you're really liking them, and they're liking you back, and that chemistry is happening, there's a couple of things that you do that make it healthy dating. One of them was daytime dating, time limited, in a public place as you get to know the person. Okay, And this is especially true when you meet someone online or you meet somebody that, that wasn't introduced to you by friends. You know, when your best friend introduces you to her cousin who she's known all her life and knows he's a good guy, that's different than if you've just met someone online and you don't know anything about them. That's, you know, when you have some personal reference that helps um also your mr and ms right list this is something that you can share with your closest friends saying this is the person i'm looking for keep your eyes out i'd love to meet him or her if you know who this person is and it's so funny because sometimes your best friend will say oh my gosh that's my cousin that's that's um my aunt's husband's son you know, it's it's really neat how that happens. And then they introduce you, and it's it's kind of cool. All right, so in this relationship, and you're looking at your Mr. and Ms. Right list, you're evaluating as you are doing time-limited daytime dates. You're communicating. You're asking yourself, do they meet my list? If they have some of the things that aren't your deal-breakers, then okay. Let's go back to that thing like they have to be good-looking, have to be taller or shorter than me, whatever you want. What if that weren't a deal breaker? What if you met somebody who is exactly what you're looking for and it's some guy that's a couple inches short for what you want? He's not six feet tall. He's 5'8". And you go, you know, I really don't care. It's really cool when you do that, when it's not a deal breaker. 
because you could be missing out on somebody absolutely wonderful who doesn't have a physical characteristic that you're looking for. Okay, so if I need to leave, if I figured out I'm settling, how do I not keep dating? Or how do I let go if I'm in a relationship with somebody that isn't a healthy person to be dating or to be with? There's a podcast on letting go. Go back to my podcast and scroll down until you find the one called Letting Go and listen to that because it'll really help you. But in the initial dating mark, when you're out doing your dating and you're doing your Mr. and Ms. Right list and you're checking things out, have that exit line, the one that says, it was a pleasure meeting you, but I don't think this is um, quite a great fit. Um, It isn't quite right for me, and I really appreciate appreciate you taking the time to meet me but let's not waste either of our time I wish you well and I'm going to go now so you don't set another date all right so that's one of the ways that you don't keep dating if it's like you don't mercy date is what I'm talking about you don't date them because you feel sorry for them you don't waste your time or theirs okay so let's go over some of the principles of healthy dating in past podcasts you can also go to the one called trusting In that podcast, I talk about different trusting levels. When you are learning about somebody, whether it's a friend, a study partner, uh, someone to date, um, your cousin's new wife, whatever it is, you are learning how to take that person through the trusting levels. You don't throw yourself at them and trust them with everything, including your deep, dark secrets. You slowly take them through these friendship levels. And I describe them very completely in that podcast on trusting. So go back to that and look at that. But you want to take a person you're dating through those trusting levels. So bottom line here for dating is you don't sleep with them right away. I know, I know, that's hard sometimes. But you meet somebody, you want to put that off because once you sleep with somebody, you've got this artificial trusting going on and then you have to break up with them as you figure out who they are. That's hard on you and it's hard on them. It's better to say to them, as attracted to you as I am and as the chemistry that's here between us and how I'd love to jump into bed with you, I'm not going to do it because I really want us to take the time to get to know each other. That's attractive as hell, by the way, when that happens because somebody has a lot of confidence in order to say that. And it shows that you have some kind of restraint and that you're really serious about getting to know the person. So that's what it's all about in the trusting levels. Do your Mr. or Ms. Right list and really know what it is you want. The other thing is to let that cloud nine, that brain grab, dissipate. It takes a while for cloud nine to go away. You can be cloud nine in love with somebody for six months, a year. You can be cloud nine in love with somebody for two weeks, two days. Let it dissipate. Let it go away. And one of the ways you know that cloud nine has dissipated is when dumb stuff they do isn't cute anymore and that's i don't know any better way to tell you this but like they let out some huge belch and you go oh isn't that funny you're probably cloud nine in love all right because later you're thinking oh my god did they just do that in public that's cloud nine's probably starting to go away so you want to begin to see them with real eyes not through those rose-colored glasses of everything they do is wonderful all right the other thing when cloud nine starts to go away is you'll have your first fight 
And I'll tell you, your first fight is really important because you will have a window into their soul. You will know if they're going to be overly angry, very cruel, demeaning, critical, calling names, um, maybe even physical. When you have your first fight, it's a real window into how developed the person you're dating truly is. Because somebody who has good communication skills, who has control of themselves in terms of their emotions and all of that, will have some skills when it comes to a disagreement. They'll know how to communicate their stance. They'll know how to listen to yours. They will know not to get physical. They'll know if they're getting over-the-top upset and how to calm themselves down or walk away. And you're looking for these things. These are important skills in a relationship. So you don't move in with somebody. You don't get super serious. You don't get engaged. You don't get married. You don't do anything permanent until you've had your first fight and the cloud nine starts wearing off. Because now you're getting to see who that person really, really is. So how long does that take? I don't know. I'm not giving you an exact number of weeks or months. Could it be a year? Maybe. Could it be six months? Maybe. Um, But I can tell you, it's not six days. It's not two weeks. It takes longer than that to get to know somebody. So let cloud nine dissipate. Have your first fight. Okay, and here's the other thing. Do not ignore the red flags. I know more people over the years that said, you know, if I really stopped and looked at all the red flags that he or she kept putting out, I would have listened to myself. And there's red flags about anger and financial instability. Um, There's red flags about closet relationships that they're not disclosing, boyfriends, girlfriends, uh, past marriages, um, kids that haven't told you about Look for the red flags. If, if there's a part of you that says, I don't know why they communicate with me really regularly, and then all of a sudden for three or four days they disappear and they don't answer, and I don't know what's going on, and then when I say what happens, I get some vague kind of, oh, I was busy. Those are red flags. So don't ignore your red flags. Those are a call to consciousness. They're a call to slow down, to check out your Mr. or Ms. Right list, to really evaluate what's going on. If you've got a person who loses their temper and calls you all kinds of horrid names and binge drinks and does that or something, that's a red flag. Stop. Take a good look. Reevaluate. And remember, you're not going to fix the person and make them into what you want. All right, so you're going to watch for the patterns. And then here's one that's really kind of cool. Does the person you're dating or you want to date, do they fit in with your family? Now, there's a caveat to this. If you have a really dysfunctional family, you don't necessarily want the person to fit in with the dysfunction and be super dysfunctional themselves. But if you have a pretty healthy family and your family kind of gets along and all family has drama, go back to the podcast called Family Drama, (laughs) but there's drama. But if you have a pretty healthy family and you guys get together and you have fun and, and you kind of trust each other's judgment, if you bring someone into the family everybody cannot stand and they don't want to be around that is another call to consciousness take it slow really evaluate those red flags and see what is it about that person that turns everybody off in my family and could I live with that characteristic forever okay so we've been going over how do you date in a healthy manner and I want you to recognize it isn't an exact science and you can Go through this, and you can kind of fine-tune it, and you can reevaluate yourself. Um, 
You can get into some therapy to look at your underlying issues of desperation or not loving yourself. Go down through my podcast list and look at the communication basics and all and trusting levels and letting go and loving yourself. There's a whole bunch of stuff in there for you guys so that you can really expand who you are. Because this is Dr. Patricia Bay in Therapy in a Nutshell. And all we're trying to do is heal the world one hour at a time. News from Town Hall is brought to you on KCNR Shasta Reading by Shasta Regional Medical Center. Your life, your health, your choice. Shasta.